Well, it's fun to be here today, be able to hang out with you guys. Appreciate uh, Will asking me to come and uh, fill in for him today. All the, all the music today is always just the case, always is the case. You know, the worship songs always are just so right on. The testimonies were, uh, you'll, you'll see clearly, we're also right on to what our topic is today. Um, and also, I mean, there's nothing I like talking about better than, than what uh, Dane was talking about in the, in the quote to, uh, that Leah gave us, and that is the difference between knowing God, uh, knowing about God, knowing God in our heads, uh, and, and knowing God in our experience. And that's where the text goes today. Uh, it, it, today's message is called A Better Covenant. And last week, uh, I, I don't know what Will preached because I, I couldn't listen to your sermon, but, uh, but I do know the text that he preached. And I, I do know the encouragement that, that, it, that it brought to me, has brought to me, and has, all, has brought to all of us, just the new, one of the benefits that uh, the receivers of the letters of this particular writer of Hebrews uh, one thing that we know about them was that they were experiencing various types of trials, were in, in very difficult circumstances. And they're just, uh, the, these are words of encouragement. All these words are words of encouragement, but particularly in the book of Hebrews, uh, the writer is encouraging us by talking about the supremacy of Christ. All the different ways that Christ is better, uh, better than, than what they've been living in in the past prior to Jesus. And, uh, and it's hard to remember that sometimes in the midst of suffering, especially if you are a people who grew up in the old covenant, which required all of these rules to be followed, and none of, your, none of your, the generations of your family were ever successful at doing it. Uh, and, and as a result, all they've experienced of God has been, uh, has been God's wrath, has been God's, uh, God's correction, uh, his chastisement. Been, you know, uh, living in in bondage, in in play, in foreign countries, and uh, not having enough food, and being killed uh, in a second by uh, by the the discipline of God for the sake of sake of those who would live. I mean, if that's all you knew growing up, it's not really a a, a good thing when you're in the middle of a trial. Uh, if you still think that way, if you still think there's something that I'm doing wrong that's bringing about this this struggle in my life if there's something that i'm doing wrong that's uh and god is mad at me and i don't even know why he's mad i just know he's always mad and he's upset with me and so he's 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 correcting me or something's going on that god is displeased with and it's a shame that israel was living in that kind of circumstance because as they were having these trials they were they were works based in their mentality many of them or at least in their their historical experience they had had a works-based mentality that we have to follow these laws and rules uh, in order to get God's pleasure. So it's good news when Christ comes in, right? Uh, with the song that we just sang, you know, the, that Christ comes in and he, and he sheds his blood for us. And so that's where Will was last week in Hebrews chapter 8 talking about uh, the, the blood of Christ being a better sacrifice and Jesus being a better priest because he comes in and he, he doesn't have any sins that he has atoned for for himself and he comes and gives, he becomes the priest and the sacrifice offering himself up for us. 
uh, so that our sins can be forgiven completely. That's one of the beautiful things, one of the great messages of the book of Hebrews is this, this better priest for us and a better sacrifice uh, that has atoned for us, uh, has atoned for our sins, and now we can stand before God perfect. And, and you know, as, as uh, Leah was saying a minute ago in, in Ortland's uh, uh, quote, you know, some of us... Uh, don't recognize maybe we don't recognize the love of God because we never really have experienced the love of God I talk to people all the time who I think have had an experience with God similar maybe to what uh, you know I think part of Kara's concern you know I grew up in South Louisiana where uh, there were so many uh, Catholics back when I was in school who had never encountered God they were they were Catholics by name much the way Baptists are here and and many Protestants are here by name, but, but never really had an encounter with God. They just learned to do good things and learned how to live moral lives. And that's not a bad thing. But being moral doesn't give you any credit with God. Matter of fact, the best that we have to offer, we know, is filthy rags before him. And so uh, I think a lot of us have not ever really appreciated what Christ has done for us because we've never seen the depravity of our own sin. We've never seen how desperately we need Christ and I think it continues uh, in the lives of people who uh, may have received Christ for salvation but don't understand the grace of God for their every day and how desperately they need God every day and his his righteousness on their behalf and so that's where we started last or where, where uh, Will I guess ended last week in chapter 8 is looking at this better priest and, and this better sacrifice that Jesus was. That's good news for us, uh, particularly when we're in trials, is that we know that the trials are not coming because of, of our sin in our lives. Uh, when, we're, when we're living in a right relationship with God, that, that we are going to have trials even as we're walking as children of God. And those, those trials are, are covered by the blood of Christ. Uh, those trials mean that we have someone on our behalf who is interceding for us, and we can bless God for that. So last week, Christ is a better priest, and today we're going to talk about a better covenant. The covenant that we have is a better covenant according to the Scripture. Let's pick up in chapter 8 uh, in verse 7. For if that first covenant had been faultless, there would have been no occasion to look for a second for he finds fault with them when he says behold the days are coming declares the Lord when I will establish a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah not like the old covenant which I made with their fathers on the day when I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt for they did not continue in my covenant and so I showed no concern for them declares the Lord for this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel. After those days, declares the Lord, I will put my laws into their minds and write them on their hearts. And I will be their God and they will be my people. And they shall not teach each one his neighbor and each one his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they shall all know me, from the least of them to the greatest. For I will be merciful toward their iniquities and I will remember their sins no more. And speaking of the new covenant, he makes the first one obsolete. 
And what is becoming obsolete and growing old is ready to vanish away. The old covenant isn't, the old covenant according to, to the text is not faultless. Now, it, it is faultless in its morality. There was nothing about the old covenant that was not morally perfect, right? Uh, so the, the covenant was not uh, was faultless as far as its morality is concerned. But it was faultless in the sense that it was not uh, enough to draw the people of God to obey the word of God. And so a new covenant had to be made. And that's where we're going to go today. We're going to talk about a better covenant that is going to do more than what we've grown up with. More than rules and regulations. More than lists of things to follow. Those things might motivate certain people, but the Scripture is pretty clear about what it does overall with all of us. And that is it draws us to sin. It doesn't draw us uh, to right behavior and to obedience. We can do it for a little while, but we won't continue in it. And that was the problem, according to the Scripture, with, with Israel, was that they did not continue in the covenant. Because the, the covenant required their continued obedience, and, that, and that's what got them favor with God. So there's a better covenant that's announced in this chapter. And so what I want to talk about is this, this covenant is better because it's instituted by God. Because God infused this into his people. And God also ignited the new life that comes with that. And then ultimately God eliminated the old covenant. So those four points today as we walk through it. Let me pray for us before we we go on. Father, I thank you for a better covenant. I thank you for what we sang about this morning, what we heard testified in testimonies today, God, of a better covenant where you are present with us because of the shed blood of Christ, where you are hearing us because we have an intercessor, a priest who, who speaks on our behalf, where you are moving in our lives, God, and guiding us and giving us specific things to obey because of your love for us. And Father, we, we're thankful that today we can walk out of this place having with an attitude of releasing the old for the new. And God, that we can walk in a full and meaningful and personal relationship with you. Help us understand it better today as we walk in this. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so uh, first of all, we have a better covenant because it's instituted by God. Look at verse 10, what he says. In verse 10, he says, there's a covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, declares the Lord. This covenant that I will make with the house of Israel, declares the Lord. This is a covenant that God instituted. It's not something that, that, uh, that it wasn't our idea, it wasn't man's idea, it wasn't the idea of religion to, uh, for us to have this kind of covenant with God. But this is a covenant that began with God. It begins and ends with God. God's the one that started this covenant with us. One of the things that constantly being reacted against right now in religious circles and mainstream evangelical circles is this idea that we institute some kind of covenant or relationship with God. That God is waiting for us to 
to uh, institute something, to do something, that, that this, this over-exaggerated uh, focus on choice. That is that God uh, is up there begging us to please come uh, and I'll, I'll just be here and you just, you know, if you think I'm good enough, would you, you, know, would you come and be a part of my, of my kingdom and and in the same way in our obedience, would, God, would you, you know, that it's all our choice. Like, like we, we, we can look at God and see him in his glory and not respond to him with a recognition of our sin, first of all. And then second of all, that we can't, that we, we don't see a need to come to God, uh, to, to, to come to him based on him inviting us to come to receive salvation. And that idea has been, uh, reacted against, and I think there's some some reactions that are causing us to go too far in another direction. There is choice in when, how we come to Christ, but picture it this way: that God initiated this covenant. That God, when he, before the foundations of the world, He thought about us. That God, it, before the foundations of the world, knew that it would be a better display of His love if He would allow us to be ourselves, reject Him, turn away from Him walk in sin, and that he would take care of that for us, that he would step in initiating a covenant by sending his son to die for us, that God would choose to make us right with himself. So this covenant is better because it's instituted by God. It's not instituted by religion or religious practices. It's not instituted by our works and our ability to be good enough or to follow some uh, list of weekly, monthly, annual uh, sacrifices. Another reason why it's a better covenant is because it's infused into his people. Look at what he says. It says in the end of verse 10, I will put my laws into their minds and write them on their hearts. I will put my laws into their minds. In in. This quote comes from Jeremiah 31, but all of the prophets in, in different ways say the same thing. When, it, when the prophets are speaking, they're speaking to the problem that Israel is facing in disobedience to God. And the problem is that it's twofold. One is that it, it doesn't allow God to bless them the way that he wants to. I love this in Gentle and Lowly. I hope you guys saw this. As he went back to the Old Testament and he started looking at the fact that God is the same as Jesus, that God is gentle and lowly in heart, that God the whole time never wanted to, to punish and to, uh, to hurt Israel in, a, in the physical ways that he had to in order to bring them to this place of, of recognizing who he was. And so the, the first thing is, you know, God, uh, even though it was in our minds to hear it, uh, it wasn't placed in our minds by God, infused into us. And so he spoke in, in Jeremiah and all the prophets of a better day when he would do something different, when he would take it from the outside and put it in. He would literally infuse us with his will. And so God is doing that. He's doing it all the time. So many people don't take advantage of the fact that God is infusing our minds with his will. We heard testimony today of specific times, specific things that God brought to mind. I love um, what 
uh, Alex said, you know, that he wasn't even thinking about it anymore, but God put it in his mind, right? He wanted him to think about it again. That's the infusing of the, that's the infusing power of the Holy Spirit because he dwells in us now, that God has given us a better covenant where he infuses our minds with his will. He helps us to know exactly what we need to do. Now, we can busy ourselves up so much that we never even hear his will, or we don't pay attention to the the moment-by-moment promptings of the Spirit around us during the day. Or we can embrace this new covenant relationship where God says that he would infuse us, infuse our minds with his will, but also that he he would infuse our hearts with his will. In the new covenant, God comes in and the scripture says that he writes his will will on our hearts. He writes his laws on our hearts. It's no longer something we have to read to obey. It's something that's in our hearts to do. If you were to take a believer, an uh, honest believer who has the Holy Spirit living inside of them, and you were to put them on an island where there was no Bible, and maybe they never got to read the Bible. There are places right now where, well, we have missionaries in, in Uganda where there's no written language yeah, in the, in the, among the Karamajong people. They have no written language. And so the words of God, the laws of God, uh, does that mean that they're not going to be able to live out the will of God? That our, our, what does he mean when he says he writes them on our hearts? What he means is that in the remotest place in Uganda, tribal Uganda, that those believers can in a second be transformed by the new covenant. When Christ comes into their lives, that immediately they can be transformed and have a desire to obey the laws of God. We don't get to see that much here in the United States. But it's interesting that in Uganda, when our missionaries, when, when the Williamses were there, they had a plan. They went with a plan that, they, that each of these two men would, would invest themselves in five other men, locals, praying that God would give them five men and that they would invest in those five men and then those five men would, would then invest in five men and then this movement would happen. Sounds like a good plan, but it wasn't something they asked the Lord about. And it miserably failed. Matter of fact, the, the time that Will and I were there, we were going to a, a, a circle of huts for a worship service that was going to be uh, led by uh, a pastor who he had to go correct that morning because the night before he beat his, got drunk and beat his wife. This was, this was his plan. This is the way that was going to happen. And by, by uh, Kenneth's own testimony, God intervened. And there was a woman who died in one of the huts, and according to their beliefs that you couldn't touch a dead body, so they were just going to lose this resource of this, of this place to live, which is it's already a very impoverished place and hard to put these things together and not many places for all the people to live. So they were just going to let the huts sit uh, and, and rot. And Kenneth said, we will move the body and bury the body for you. And through that, they got to talking about the idea of dead bodies and, and about a, the spirit that lives inside of us. And God anointed the moment and one of the chiefs of that village put his faith in Christ as a result of that. Nobody's plan but God's. But God put it all together. Because the chief prayed to receive Christ, it became okay for the rest of the village to consider Christ 
And I forget how many. It was like 167 villagers prayed to receive Christ. And immediately, nine of those men that were, had just received Christ wanted to, to be pastors. Immediately, they wanted to go and spread the gospel. They didn't have to, they, in their mind, they didn't even ever think about the fact, I have to have a Bible in my hand. I have to have somebody train me and spend years and years with me. I have to have somebody lay hands on me and send me out. I have to go to seminary. I have to have all these things in order in order to be used by God. They, it wasn't in their mind. You know why? Because all they had was this new covenant idea that is presented in, by the writer of Hebrews. This idea that God writes in our hearts. He writes in our hearts his laws. I think we're missing a major element in the church in the United States because we're so used to everything being coming from the outside into our minds and then talking about it. And we're missing the whole purpose for which God created us, for which he redeemed us, and that is to know him in this intimate way, in the same way that he wanted Israel to know him in the Old Testament. And so God, through Jeremiah, gave us this beautiful message that the writer of Hebrews is bringing back, and that is that he would put, he would infuse us with his laws. So this is a better covenant because it's instituted by God, but then it's, it's infused by God into his people. It's also a better covenant because it ignites new life. He says, I will be their God and they will be my people. New life. This has always been God's plan, right? But it's a new life for us that includes that, that we are his people now. And that he is our God. This is, the, the, the Ezekiel says the same thing, that a day will come when, when, when God will take out our hearts of stone and put in us a heart of flesh, and we will be his children. And we would obey his laws and decrees, and he would be our God. It's always been God's plan for us to be his people. This, is, this, is a, this ignites a new life when, when God's covenant is, is, when Christ died for us, a new covenant came in which ignites life in us. A new relationship with Christ, an intimate, personal relationship with Christ. We're not where God's up in the sky and we're down here on earth. Not where the, the traditional view of a God away away from us and us trying to do life on earth without their help. But a God who is with us I mean, he is our God, and we are his people, and he calls us his own. I love First Peter. I was reading it earlier this week, First Peter chapter 2. I love the way uh, Peter speaks about this new life. He says in verse 8, You are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you might proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. I love being possessed by God. <laughs> I love that. I'm his possession now. He, he chose me. And, and I'm his. And, and he's mine. That idea of us being so connected that I can say he's my God. And he says, that's my, that's my child. That means the world to me. That, that, that I'm his person. I hope it means a lot to you. I hope that ignites new life in you. We're not, we're not in the old way of life where God is far from us, but he's intimate with us. Also, he says this new in this new life, we can know him. 
that's been ignited in us. He talked about the, the, uh, the, old, the old covenant uh, where they didn't continue in the covenant. They didn't obey his laws and decrees. And as a result of it, they didn't get to know God for who he was. Also, they were, they were defaming the name of God among the nations because they didn't get to know God. And so the people around them didn't get to see how good our God was. But we get that. He says in verse 11, And they shall, they shall not teach each one his neighbor and each one his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they shall know me. That's us. We heard testimony this morning. I've been hearing testimony all week. I hear testimony all the time. I love the fact that, that Mike and, and uh, Hanover Swivel are putting together videos for us of stories. You guys are sharing stories here on Sundays of how we know God. And that word know in the, in the New Testament is gnosko. It's knowledge of God by experience through obedience. And so when he compares the old and the new covenant, the new covenant, this better covenant that Jesus instituted for us, allows us to know God, where the other old covenant, they never knew him. And the people around them never, never knew him. But we get to know God. We get to know him by experience through obedience. We get to share testimony of, what he, of who he is and stories, as you've been doing through this series on Hebrews, stories about why we know he is those things. We don't just hear people saying because the Bible says that we should not, uh, we seek first the kingdom of God and all these things will be added to us. And so we should do it because God expects it. That's one way to look at it, but that's an old covenant way. The new covenant is we should do that because we've experienced him as our provider. We have been in the moments where, where there have been challenges against our trust in the Lord and God came through. And we have story after story after story of God being our provider. We can know him in the new covenant, not just know about him. That ignites new life, that we're his people and that we can know him personally. Every day, more and more, moment by moment, increasing our knowledge of God as he reveals himself to us. But also, he says, in this new life, we are forgiven. Man, I celebrated this this past week with a, a new house church in Lafayette. Uh, we, as we shared communion together, this was the thought that came to my mind. In verse 12, he says, For I will be merciful toward their iniquities, and I will remember their sins no more. Did you know that? Did you know that God, when he instituted the new covenant, this better covenant, along with, that, with, with the institution of this better covenant based on the, blood, the shedding of the blood of Christ, was this thing that God preordained before the foundations of the world, this, this divine plan, sovereign plan, that he would get amnesia. <laughs> Think of it that way, because he says he remembers it no more, which in the Greek that means he remembers it no more. <laughs> it means he forgets it. It is removed from his mind. Now, we all know that God can't forget things, right? Unless God, by his sovereign plan, decides he's going to forget things. And then he can't remember them. God chooses not to remember our sins 
That's incredible. Man, if that doesn't ignite new life in you, a desire to live in a new covenant and to be obedient to the will of God, that he doesn't remember your sins. Like when you're trying desperately to pursue God in the mornings, which all of us have struggles with, to pursue God, to know his will so that you can do his will so you can ultimately he can reveal himself to you. You know, this, this will touch all of us. When you're struggling to do that, God doesn't look down at you and say, I'm so disappointed in you. When are you going to get your act together? He doesn't look down at us and say, you're so pitiful. How long am I going to have to put up with you? God just comes every day like you're going to show up. God's ready to speak all the time. And, and your sin of laziness or uh, bad priorities in your life or whatever it is, God doesn't see that. But, but we come to God sometimes with this attitude like God sees our sins and he's mad at us. And, and we need to, to spend a little time getting him kind of amped up to come spend time with us. No, that is not this new covenant. Jesus says he, he comes in and he, he ignites new life by calling us his people. Not because we deserve it, because Jesus died for us. He comes in and he ignites new life by giving us an opportunity to increase in our knowledge of him by experience through obedience. And that should drive us to pursue him. But, but the old law that Satan keeps putting in our mind says, you didn't go to quiet time today. And the old law, if we see that time with God as a law, we'll never go because it ignites sin. It doesn't ignite new life. Laws ignite sin, not new life. But when Jesus comes in and we recognize the beauty of this covenant, then we walk in obedience to him and we pursue his will because we know he's fixing to reveal more of himself to us. I promise you. Y'all with me? Say, oh yeah. yeah. I promise you there will be a day, if it hasn't happened yet, if you will just keep on pursuing. And if you'll see God as he's not mad at you, he's not upset with you, he's not uh, disappointed in you, he's singing over you. He is waiting on you to come on. He's like got the best stuff in the world for you. I promise you, if you'll ever start pursuing and stay in the pursuit and dedicate your life, center your life around that small, intimate time with God every day and learn to hear his voice, and you start walking in obedience, you will never leave that. You never walk away from it. That's one of the ways I know whether someone ever has really understood abiding in Christ because when you understand it and you really walk in it, you'll never walk away from it. Now, Satan will try to get you to, but God's relentless in his pursuit. He's coming to you, and he's igniting new life. That's what the new covenant does. We have a better covenant because it's instituted by God. It's infused into us, into our minds and our hearts. It ignites new life by calling us his people, allowing us to know God by experience through obedience. And recognizing the significance of our forgiveness that he remembers our sins no more. And finally, I think it's incredible because it eliminates the old covenant. We have such a hard time eliminating the old covenant. I mean, I have friends of mine that want to hold on to this old covenant. But look at what he says in verse 13. And speaking of the new covenant, he makes the first one obsolete. Obsolete. We don't do it this way anymore. It doesn't work anymore. And what is becoming obsolete is growing old and ready to vanish away. 
when I walked into the, the new church at Colleen, when I walked into the building, walked into the fellowship hall and walked into the offices to see what all they had, they had this old, huge computer thing that I remember seeing some of those back a long time ago. I mean, it was, I, you know, you can't buy parts for it. You, you can't get the, the floppy disks that have to go inside of it. You can't find paper for the dot matrix printer. Uh, you can't find ink for it. There's, there, uh, there's nothing about that that anybody would want to try to bring back. Even people that like retro stuff don't want an old computer, right? And, and even TVs nowadays. I found out that you, I had this really nice tube, not tube, but whatever this TV, yeah, I guess it was tube. Big TV, you know. It weighs a thousand pounds. Takes a truck to move it. But it worked really good. But I, I got a flat screen. And you can't sell those, right, Deb? Nobody will even take them from an estate sale. And, and people have hundreds of them. And, <laughs> and, and you don't know, I mean, what do you do with that? It's obsolete. It's obsolete. It's vanished away. There's nothing useful in that old way of thinking, in that old way of operating. According to the writer of Hebrews, the old covenant, as valid as it was, is eliminated in its present-day value. The old covenant, you don't need that old law anymore. You don't need those old sacrifices anymore. Jesus is a better sacrifice. He's a better priest, and he's giving us a better covenant. I find Christian friends, Christian friends who want to go back and follow the old patterns of eating and follow the old the feasts and festivals. And they, they're people that I find all the time that are following these old practices. There's nothing wrong with them, but there, but there becomes a problem whenever people start to take those things and say, in order to be a good Christian, and it's a combination of this, the blood of Christ and all this new life that we get through him and also, don't forget all these things we we're supposed to do. Right? Those were the Judaizers in the New Testament who said, okay, he's the Messiah, but don't forget. We still got to follow circumcision rules, all these laws about eating. And Paul makes it clear in his letter to the Galatians, those things are no longer necessary. Because it's old, it's, it's passed away, it has no value anymore as far as our salvation, our relationship with God, and an intimate knowledge of God. And so we need to recognize that. It's, you don't need to fear giving up your old religious habits. I'm going to say it again. You don't need to fear it. You don't have to wear culottes anymore. <laughs> See Janet back there. You don't have to fear giving, giving up your old religious habits. Give them up completely. Just look, The best thing that ever happened in my life was there a small group of believers decided we're, we're going we're gonna to start over and we're going to start with an empty page and the Bible and our relationship in this Holy Spirit and our relationship with God and each other and we're going to ask God, what do we need to do? And that's where the gathering place came from. 
It came from the Holy Spirit. Learning how to hear the Holy Spirit's voice. Our our focus becomes different in the new covenant. It's no longer about following the rules, the list of rules that everybody else is following. It's about following the Spirit in His Word. Jesus said this day would come where where we would worship Him in spirit and in truth. It's the Word of God and the Spirit of God. And I would caution you, if there's any old stuff that you still hold on to, that you feel obligated to hold on to, for any other reason than Jesus said it by his Spirit and his Word, that you should do it now, I would caution you, don't do it. Don't hold on to those things. Release those things. The sooner you release that old dead religion, the sooner you're going to get to walk and see the value of the new covenant that God's given us. There's a better covenant. Our stories are stories about the better covenant. This past week, I was talking with Gunnar Gunnarsson. Gunnar, son of Gunnar, right, in Iceland. Miraculous meeting. He's the only guy, literally. I, quest- I quizzed him about this, this week. He's the only guy in Iceland that could ever possibly have embraced the distinctives of the gathering place. He's the only guy in Iceland, really, that I believe could ever walk in the way that we walk and enjoy the Lord and get to know him the way that we do. It has been so refreshing for him to be able to release the old obsolete stuff that he was holding on to and to find these things that have been in his heart already and to hear me say them out loud and to read them in a book. I left the abiding cycle there on our last day and didn't have any internet or, you know, because we were in Iceland. Uh, Not because they don't have it, but because it costs a lot of money if you try to hook up uh, over there so I, I get home and my phone blows up and it's Gunnar with passages underlined and phrases uh, highlighted in the book and messages of thanksgiving for for speaking the things that he needed to hear that he knew and had never heard anybody say he knew him in his mind knew him in his heart but he never heard anybody say he's gonna be our guy He's already committed to it. He's going to be our, our Elian and our Dario in Iceland. Gunnar Gunnarsson. Life was transformed by a better understanding of the, of the better covenant that comes with Christ. So my, my prayer for us today is that, you know, I, I shared this when we had the joint service, but I, I'm finding so, that, that God is bringing me places where this new information is bringing people's relationship with God to life. You remember when your when your spiritual life came to life when you started discovering the truth about who God was and how He wanted to relate to you. Do you remember that? You remember when you discovered how to abide in Christ and you discovered the grace of God and how intimate you were and how much you were pursuing God. You remember all those things that God was teaching you about Himself. I'm wondering. I'm wondering if, if there is a group of people in the world who will continue in that pursuit until they die and give it away to somebody else. This, this is our call, is to lead people to know God, this God. The God that the writer of Hebrews is talking about, a God who loves us, who died for us, a God who, reaches, who instigated a new covenant with us, That's very personal to us. He chose us to be his own. And he puts his laws in our minds and our hearts 
so that we can know him by experience through obedience without any concerns about past rules and regulations. What a great God. What a great covenant, right? I hope today you can embrace that. I'm praying that you will. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for, again, the blessing of this new covenant. I pray that your word has enlightened us today in such a way that, God, maybe this, maybe this group of people, these gatherers, gathering peeps, Father, will be the first that would, as a church, as a community, would embrace the blessing of the new, new and better covenant. And Father, that we would, at least today, Father, without shame or guilt or fear of failure, recommit ourselves to pursuit of your will, to spending time with a God who's instituted this covenant that allows us to spend time with you, to know you, to, to be personal with you. God, I pray tomorrow morning would find us seeking you in your word. That tomorrow day would find us obeying what we read. That tomorrow evening would find us celebrating the God that we discovered. In Jesus' name. Let's go ahead and